Hey, before we uh, j- jump into the sermon, if the fourth and fifth grade, if you'd, if you'd like to go to class, that your class is available for you with David, but you can also stay here. Um, also, a couple of the quick things. I know some of you have been uh, out of town and haven't been here for a little while. You've moved away and you're wondering what's going on, all these things are happening. Well, what we're doing is we're going to be repaving the parking lot in June. So we'll have a whole new parking lot. We're redesigning the outside of the entire facility. So that'll get an upgrade as well. And that'll be uh, coming in May. Um, so that's really exciting. And also, um, starting next week, we're, we're going on a new series called Great Expectations. And it's a series that I really believe will impact everyone's life that is here, oldest to the youngest. You know, we have so many expectations in life. And then when, when we don't meet those expectations or when we don't have those expectations met, what do we do? You know, when it comes to our marriage, our relationships, our jobs, all the things in our lives, what happens? Can we, ex- can we have an expectation of God in this life? And what, what, what should that be? So we're going to talk about great expectations, and I think it will have a, a tremendous impact on your lives. One last thing, if you would, make sure that you read your family news bulletin. There's a lot of exciting things coming up in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you open this up today at some point and read through it, because there are so many things we don't want you to miss. All right. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, The woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over into the hands of sinners to be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, of course, Peter, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, we all know why we're here this morning. OK, it's 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 the celebration of Easter Sunday. It's, it's Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the past, I, I've talked about on Easter Sunday, the, the arguments for the resurrection, you know, laid out the arguments for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Last year, if you remember, I had all the different things up here, like the whip and the spear. And, and I went through what Jesus had experienced while he was going to the cross and when they crucified him. Um, I promise. Well, I can't promise because it's you, but no, hopefully no one will faint this this year, because last year we had people faint in the first service. People faint in the second service. We had ambulances coming, taking people. I think the, the description was a little little much. So we're not going to have anyone faint this year. Uh, maybe maybe a few tears shed or something, but no fainting. Um, but it was, you know, we go through this, we go through all of these different things about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the arguments for the resurrection of Christ. Well, this morning I have one simple question. Why did he get up? 
Why did Jesus Christ get up? Why did he rise from the grave? To answer that question, I want to share another story with you. I'm going to share this with you this morning. It's about a little boy named John. If you remember a few months back, Sandra, who was one of our partners with Back to Back Ministries in Nigeria, came and she spoke for a few minutes. And she told just a snippet of a story about this little boy named John. And it really intrigued me. It actually broke my heart. And so I asked her to write the story for me, the whole story, John's whole story. And so she did that. So what you're going to hear this morning are Sandra's words about John. It starts, John had sickle cell anemia and was infected with HIV. He was living with his grandmother in the village when our orphanage was contacted to see if we could take him in since his grandmother was very, very old and couldn't take care of him any longer. His only sibling had died a few years prior to that, and his parents died of HIV AIDS too. So literally, he had only God. Now, can you imagine being a little boy, I mean a little boy, and being alone being, in a sense, abandoned so quickly. I want to pause right there because in each of our lives, there are times when when we go through difficulties and, and, and challenging parts of our lives where we feel alone. Maybe we feel abandoned. So the first answer to the question is Jesus got up to show us that we will never be alone. Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He got up to show you, to show you individually. If I could look in every single one of your eyes, I would, okay? But he got up to show you that you would never be alone. That's important because as I was studying this week, loneliness has a profound impact, not only physically on our bodies, but mentally. It has profound mental and physical implications for our lives. It has an extreme impact on our lives. There was a, a study in the University of Chicago, a study of men and women 50 to 68 years old. And those who scored highest on the measure of loneliness also had the highest blood pressure. Blood pressure is linked to heart disease. Heart disease is basically the number one killer in most or many industrialized countries, and it's number two in the United States. Lonely people, lonely people, get this, have blood pressure readings sometimes 30% higher than non-lonely people. We're talking about loneliness. Not that you have some disease or something, but loneliness causes all of these things. Loneliness has a wide range of negative effects. Some of the health risks associated with loneliness are, are depression and suicide. Cardiovascular disease and stroke, increase of stress. Stress has a profound impact on our lives. Decreased memory and learning. So if you're in school, if you're, you know, I, I was told by someone that college students now are among the loneliest people. You'd think that's ridiculous. College students with everyone around them are among the loneliest of people. It, it, it's antisocial behavior. It's causing antisocial behavior. Bad choices, bad decision making, alcohol and drug abuse. All of these things come from loneliness. 
All of these things are having a mental and physical effect on people's lives because they feel so lonely. And as a culture, we like pride ourselves, don't we, on staying connected. You know, you grab your phone out, yeah, you know, everybody's texting and Facebook and everything else. And we pride ourselves on being so connected to one another. But loneliness, get this, loneliness has doubled. Doubled. In a recent survey... 40% of adults said that they were lonely. 40%. That's up from 20% in the 1980s. Without all the technology to connect with each other, to get to know each other better, you know, to stay in contact. 40% as opposed to 20% in the 1980s. It has doubled. We are a lonely, lonely culture. Social isolation, listen to this. Social isolation kills more people than obesity. We talk so much about obesity and making sure that we're healthy. Social isolation. I'm going to tell you something. I love you all to death. You younger ones love you to death. And I don't think it's terribly wrong. It's not a sin and you should, you know, whatever. But I've seen people sitting in like a couch texting each other while they're sitting next to each other on the couch. Turn to the person next to you and talk to them. You can be very lonely in a crowd. Loneliness has a profound impact on our lives. Here's the deal. Like John, so many of you came in here this morning and you're lonely. You're surrounded by so many other people all day long, but you feel isolated. You know, we look around the room and people are smiling and and they're interacting with other people. And you ask them, hey, how are you? And they say, oh, fine, I'm doing fine. How's it going? Good. It's going well. It's it's fine. And And that person gets in the car. And they feel isolated. They feel alone. They feel alone sometimes in their marriage. They feel alone in their own families. They feel alone amongst their friends. They feel alone at work. There's things going on in their lives that no one knows about. And there's a loneliness that's overwhelming people. Even people here this morning. Jesus got up to let you know you never have to be alone. He got up to let you know you never have to be alone. He rose from the dead to stand by your side. We have a God, a living God, who cares. Who cares about us. Who cares about every detail of our lives. A God who is always there. So if you are feeling isolated this morning, if you're feeling that sense of isolation, draw near to Christ. Draw near to Him. Listen, you come to church course, we're going to talk about God. It's Easter. We're going to talk about Jesus. But please listen to me if you don't come very often. And this is not a criticism. Love you to death. So happy you're here this morning. I'm so glad you came. But listen, Jesus is alive. It's real. There is a living God. Jesus Christ was a real person. He really died on a cross and he really rose again. And if you have any question about that, you text me, you call me, you sit down with me. I will walk you through the evidence for his resurrection. This is real. You have a God who wants to walk with you every single day of your life. You have a God who cares about every detail of your life. You have a God who cares about the fact that you're feeling lonely, that you're feeling some things and been through some things that you don't want to tell anyone else, but you can actually sit down and talk to him about it. He cares about your life. Not only that, he'll help you overcome it. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, it says this, Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Sandra goes on. John was frail and quiet when he came to us. But in a short while, he became part of the family. We took him to the hospital for treatments and made sure we had special food and fruits and milk on hand for him. I took him to my house to play and took him to events so he would experience family and fun outings. John had a beautiful smile and would tell stories about the rabbits in his village and would smile broadly when you teased him. Over time, John began to live again. That's the second reason Jesus got up. He got up to give us new life. He rose from the grave to give, to give us, every single one of us, new life. See, John was given new life. He was, in the, he was in that village, and then his sibling died, and his parents died. So he was basically all alone, a little boy all by himself. And that happens all the time. You know, John is just a, rep, he's, he's a real boy. This is a true story. But John represents 160 million orphans all over the world who are feeling the same loneliness he must have been feeling. He had a very old grandmother, and she got older and older, and she, she basically was on death's door as well, and she could no longer take care of John. So he was left by himself. He was alone. And he was feeling overwhelmed by the sense of, you think about it as a little, take, take your own children, for example, and think about them being abandoned in some village, because not everyone just comes along and takes care of you. You're on your own. Grandmother's laying there. You, you have no one really to, to fend for you, to take care of you. And so you, get, you find this overwhelming despair. But John was given new life when he went to that orphanage. And Sandra took him in. She took him into her home and made sure that he felt welcome. And he began to live again. He began to live again. Some of you have experienced things in your lives that have really knocked you down. That have, that have put you in a place where you, you, they've shut you down emotionally, if you will. You're, you're, you're existing, but you're not really living. You know what I'm talking about. You're, you go through the motions day to day. You do what you have to do to survive. And I'm going to tell you something. You think, you think this, I'm only talking about a few people. You're making a terrible mistake. There are people all over this room right now who go day to day, just getting by emotionally, hanging in there. Maybe something happened, some experience in their past. Maybe it's just what's happened over the last 20 years of their lives. But they learn to function in this world, but they're not living. They're not truly living. They're just existing, getting up each day and doing what they need to do to take care of business and survive. Listen, because he got up, you can come back to the land of the living. Because he was risen, you can come back to the land of the living. He can do things in your life that no one else can do. You know, next week we start talking about, you know, great expectations. You've had these expectations in your life and they, they haven't panned out the way you wanted them to. So now what do you do? That's what we're going to talk about. 
We're going to talk about now what do you do if you're in that state where you're just existing and you're not really living? How do you break free from that? How do you come back to the land of the living? I love this verse, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what we're talking about. Because of what he did on the cross for you, you no longer live in a sense. Christ lives in you. There's something different. It's a new life. It's a new experience. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Because he got up, I no longer have to, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My circumstances no longer control my outlook on life or my future. Because right now, for so many people, your circumstances, what you're going through, your day-to-day circumstances, control your whole life. They control your outlook on life. They control your emotions. They control how you feel. They control your future. And you feel, you feel empty. You feel powerless. But you're not powerless. You have the power of the risen Christ in you if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit indwells you. You have the power of God in you. We are not alone. We can live a new life because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Listen, John was living on borrowed time. He knew he was never going to have a normal life. Even a little one knows. They understand. He knew he was never going to live a normal life. John was never going to go to college. John was never going to meet that girl and fall in love and, and get married. John was never going to have that career that so many of us look forward to. John was never going to raise a family. But you know what? At the end of his life, John had a peace, a joy, and a contentment that most people in this country will never experience, that most people around the world will never experience. He had a peace, a joy, and a contentment that most people will never understand. He had a hope that surpasses knowledge. He had the risen Christ. He had the risen Christ loving him and living in him. He had the power of the resurrection in him. The world no longer controlled his life. His circumstances no longer controlled his life. You know, he had, as for a little boy, he had an eternal perspective. Sandra continues, one day at about 9.30 on a Thursday morning, I had gone to a Moms in Touch prayer meeting. And when I came out, I saw I had missed some calls from the office. I called back and my staff told me John had been rushed to the hospital. I drove straight there. John had been hooked up and was on a drip. I sat with him and he asked if I could get him some kunu, which was like custard and beans cake. We got some and I fed him. He was in so much pain and he kept on tossing and turning. After a while, the doctors arranged for him to be taken to the intensive care unit. Since he was having difficulty breathing and was struggling with all the pain. Once we got there, listen to this. They asked me to go and buy an injectable because they didn't have it there. Have you ever been to a third world country and you go in the hospital? It's about one step off from going into your bedroom and having your mom take care of you, uh, honestly. And in this country, you're probably better off going into your own home and having mom or dad take care of you. 
they had to, he needed something and they said, well, here's what he needs. Go and get it and bring it back to us and we'll give it to him. On my, on my uh, way out of the hospital, the doctor told me John was in crisis because of the sickle cell anemia. After, after he left, I remember a doctor friend who had the same disease and had just returned from further studies in Europe on sickle cell anemia. I called him, and he was right in that hospital just after finishing surgery. He quickly met me and went to John's room. He immediately told me that John was having an anti-respiratory syndrome and had fluid in his lungs. He quickly arranged for oxygen and hooked him up. Once that was done, fluid started coming out of his nose and his mouth. And he asked me to please keep wiping his face. John, sensing he was near the end, looked up and said, Mommy, Mommy, thank you. Mommy, Mommy, thank you. There's something profoundly meaningful and moving and impactful about a little boy who is thankful that he is not dying alone. That, that struck me. It has such an impact on my life when I heard that. Mommy, mommy, thank you. As she was wiping all the stuff off his nose and his face. Why was he thanking her? Because he had an eternal perspective. He understood where he was and what was going on. And he was thankful. He was thankful that he wasn't going to die alone. That's the third reason that Jesus got up. To bring us hope. To bring us hope. In Psalm 147, verse 11, reminds us, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. It's, it's hard for us to comprehend. It really is hard for us to comprehend how a little boy, sick and abandoned, could be thankful for something that we would consider so little or so simple. Right? having someone who's there for us to take care of us when we're going through things. It's hard for us to kind of comprehend and really grasp an understanding of, of a little boy that age being so thankful that there was someone there to wipe his face while he was going through such a painful, painful time in his life. But see, John knew a joy, and John had hope that most people don't understand. That little boy had something that most people will, may never understand. John had seen God move in his life. John had seen God move in extraordinary ways. And he never stopped anticipating. Never stopped anticipating the power of God to work in his life. When he was adopted and he was taken into the orphanage and taken into that family, he, he, he could see the extraordinary power of God working in his life. Why did Jesus get up to give us hope and to finish what he started in our lives? He got up to give each and every one of us hope. Some people hear it right now. You come and you have no hope. Jesus Christ got up to give you hope and to finish what he started in your life. R.C. Sproul wrote this. Hope is called the anchor of the soul. Hebrews 619 because it gives stability to the Christian life. 
But hope is not simply a wish, I wish such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. The certainty of God's promises. God makes a promise, you can be certain of that promise. That's what gives us hope. Like John We should never stop anticipating the power of God to do extraordinary things in our lives. And some of you have stopped anticipating. We should never stop anticipating the power of God to do extraordinary things in our lives. And you think of John and you say, well, you know, you you think of your own marriage. You think of your family. You think of experience that you're going through right now. And you think, well, I don't I don't I, I just don't. God can do the miraculous in your life. God can do extraordinary things in our lives, and we need to remember that. In Luke chapter 24, you think of Peter. Peter must have believed God because it says he jumped up and he ran to see what was going on. He anticipated the men and women who went and saw that tomb. They, they were not expecting nor anticipating what they had seen. But God did something extraordinary. God did something extraordinary. Think of Moses. Moses found himself and the children of Israel between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. You think about that. He must have anticipated the power of God to do something extraordinary when he raised his staff, right? I have a quick question. Why do they always show Moses the day before Easter on TV? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Why do they keep showing Moses the story? I'm sorry, I, I, I digress. But Moses, I mean, he must have anticipated the power of God when he held out that staff, when he was standing before the Red Sea. You think about Queen Esther deciding to stand before, to go before the king on behalf of her people. She must have anticipated the power of God to move in an extraordinary way. When David faced Goliath with his sling, he must have anticipated the power of God to move in his life in an extraordinary way. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood for God in defiance of the king, knowing that they were going to be thrown in a fiery furnace, they must have anticipated the power of God to work in an extraordinary way in their lives. We need to anticipate the power of God to move in extraordinary ways in our lives. Every single one of us, we need to find that hope again. We need to know that God is with us because Jesus Christ was resurrected, because he got up. We have the power of God living in us. We all face hardships, some more challenging than others, some more challenging than others. Some of you, if you haven't faced hardships, just wait. I don't mean to put a downer on you, but just wait. Wait a little longer. Some of you are wondering if the rain is ever going to stop in your lives. You're sitting here this morning and you're wondering, God, when is the rain just going to stop? I don't know how. I don't know when he is going to move. I don't know how and when he's going to move, but I do know that we need to live every day on the edge of faith. We need to live every single day on the edge of faith, knowing, trusting, believing, and anticipating the power of God to do extraordinary things in our lives. 
Life is hard. I am not going to stand here and tell you otherwise. Life is a challenge. Relationships are a challenge. Careers are a challenge. It's all a challenge. But we need to live on the edge of faith, believing that God is going to do something extraordinary in our lives. We all get knocked down. We all get pushed aside. But when the sun sun stops shining in your life, and when the night draws on, and is dark and gloomy. When that happens, you need to remember he got up so that you have the power to get up as well. Jesus was risen from the grave to give you the power to get up as well. When we're faced with trauma in our lives and our past, when we're faced with challenges in our lives in the present, we have the power to overcome because Jesus Christ got up. Finally, Jesus got up to give us eternal life. He got up to give us eternal life. Sandra continues. The doctor came and took over. He didn't know that, I didn't know that John had stopped breathing for a while and that God had revived him until a doctor told me later. Once he stabilized, I went to pick up my son from school and to buy the injectable that they needed. I rushed back to the hospital with my son, but once I got there, I saw the doctor who pulled me aside and told me that they had done their best. John had passed away. He took me to see the body, and I broke down and wept. Our hearts were broken at the loss, but we knew that for a while, that while we cared for him, he was happy and enjoyed the comfort of home, playing with the brothers and sisters that God had put in his life and died peacefully knowing that he was loved, that he was loved. The kids mourned John, and one of the girls who was very close to him wept for many days. We truly rejoice that John gave, that God gave him an opportunity to smile, to laugh, and to be loved before he went home to be with the Lord. I thank God for the privilege of knowing John and caring for him until he left, till we meet him again at the feet of Jesus. Jesus got up for John, my friends, and he, he got up for you. He got up for me. He got up for us. He got up to give John not only a home here, something that John didn't have, alone and abandoned. He gave him not only a home here to express his love and to to make sure that John was cared for here on earth, but he also gave John a home in heaven. He gave something to John that was even more significant. Jesus lived a life of hardship and rejection. But you know what? Not even death could keep him down. Not even death could keep him down. My friends, this life is painful. It's filled with rejection and loneliness sometimes. It's confusing. I mean, it is really confusing sometimes, isn't it? Our lives are confusing. They're challenging. But we have a God who offers us hope in a new life, both here on earth. We can have that new life here on earth. You can have a do-over this morning. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care if you're the black sheep of the family, if you've been in prison, if you whatever, you haven't come to church ever in your whole entire life, if, you, if you've cursed God before. You can have a do-over. You can start over. You can have a, a new life here on earth and for eternity. I want to read you something from Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6. Old Testament, okay? 
I want you to listen to these words and think about Jesus Christ. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like the root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. In Psalm 22, it says, They have pierced my hands and my feet. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him on the cross. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If you, if you like prophecy and Nostradamus and all this kind of stuff, let me tell you something. Read your Bible. That was written 500 years before crucifixion was even invented. How would the Messiah be, be killed? They have pierced my hands and my feet. But he was pierced for our transgressions. That's a pretty good guess, don't you think? 500 years before a crucifixion was even invented and 1,000 years before Jesus Christ was even born. Listen, my friends, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In Romans 10.9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. He died for you. He got up for you. Now, isn't it time that you started to live for him? I mean, you've been kind of skirting around the issue. You've been coming maybe to church, maybe your whole life. But, you know, when you leave here, it's party hardy or do your thing or whatever the case may be. Kind of live your life out there. But he died for you. He got up for you. So my question is to each one of us, even those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, even now, isn't it time we started to live for him? Isn't it time we started to give him our whole lives D.L. Moody, who I love, wrote this. Thanks be to God. There is hope today. This very hour, you can choose him and serve him. There is hope today. Today, Easter Sunday. This very hour, okay, at 1042. There's hope. This very hour, you can choose him and serve him. If that's your desire this morning, then I want you to pray a simple but very profound life-changing prayer with me. I want you to think about it just for a second, all that I shared with you. I want you to think about the, the change that Jesus Christ can make in your life. He made a change in John's life, very short life. But I want to tell you something. John has so affected my life when it comes to how he lived his life that I will never forget him. I never met him, but I'll never forget him. And I'm going to do something in my life that remembers his life. I'm going to come up with something that commemorates that life, that life of a thankful life, a life of strength, a life renewed, a life transformed. We say, what is God's purpose in all of this? 
what was God's purpose in this? Or how is God, what is God's purpose in that? That little boy has no idea. He had no idea that I'd ever be talking about him. But I'm going to do more than talk about him in my life. I, he, he lives as a part of me. That story will always be a part of my heart. It has motivated me more than I was motivated, motivated before. He has impacted my life, and now hopefully he's impacted your life as well. You can have what John had. The same Lord that is a part of his life, that gave him the ability to say, Mommy, Mommy, thank you. You can have that life-changing experience in your own life. And if you want that, I want you to pray a very simple but powerful prayer with me. Bow your heads. Everyone together, just bow your heads. You don't have to pray out loud. Just say this with me. Father, I no longer want to live this life alone. And like John, I think, I think of, of you, Lord God, and the impact that, that you can have on my life. Like John, I, I thank you for all that you've done for me. I don't thank you enough, Lord. I haven't thanked you enough in the past. I've maybe complained, but I, I haven't thanked you for bringing me to this place. And thank you for bringing me here this morning. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I ask that you would be the Lord of my life. I confess, Lord, that I'm a sinner. I don't need a pastor or a Bible to tell me that. And I accept the free gift of your salvation this very day. I ask that you would fill me with your spirit. Show me what my gifts are, Lord. Show me who I am. Show me my purpose. Help me to live a new life here on earth and prepare a place for me in eternity. I want to be with you in heaven. I don't want to live this life alone and I don't want to leave this life alone. Help me to stop living by my own power. I can't do it. I, I, it's not working. So help me to stop living by my own power and to start living through the power of your resurrection. Pray these things in your precious and holy name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with everyone's head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, just could you quickly just raise your hand? Just put your hand up. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's amazing. Awesome. At the end of the service, I'm going to be up here just for a couple of minutes, and I have a Bible that I want to give you if you prayed that prayer this morning. I want to get you started on your spiritual journey to a new and dynamic life in Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. We praise you. We give this time to you. We celebrate your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us and was raised again, that we may have new life in you. Help us to use the life that you've given to us, Lord, to impact the lives of others each and every day out of our love and devotion to you. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.
If you would, why don't you just stand with me as we close? We're going to sing a song to close. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate.